0: Welcome to Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed, with the Warnings Doctor, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber. Learn about what every consumer desperately needs to know in order to avoid serious injury and even death. You'll hear about ways in which consumers, government regulators, and corporations must interact to keep you and your loved one safe.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Jerry Goldhaber, the Warnings Doctor and author of the new book, Murder, Inc. Welcome again, my friends, to my podcast, The Warnings Doctor, where I provide you prescriptions for living a safer life in an even more dangerous world. And I do this by telling you the truth, a radical idea. I tell it to you the way it is, and I bring guests on this podcast who will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's my pledge to you, as always, that after you listen to this podcast and every other podcast, you're going to say, I didn't know that, and this could have happened to me. Well, let's start today before we bring in my terrific guest, Eric Solomon. Today, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on with the COVID-19. We were safe until Memorial Day, and then the perfect storm hit. The sun came out. Many politicians eagerly pushed the economy to the front of the line while drowning out the scientists. And then the protests began. And then we had false prophets interested only in their own profits, offering promises of instant and even dangerous cures like hydroxychloroquine with a shot of Lysol, warp speed vaccines, viruses that will magically fade away into the summer heat coupled with clarion calls to protest any state whose governor had the nerve to put safety over short-term economic gain. In some states, mostly in the South and Southwest, scientists and doctors, the arbiters of truth and protectors of our very lives, were demonized and even threatened while weak politicians led by selfish, uninformed voices from Washington encouraged people to ignore the very safety warnings that had protected our population through Memorial Day. And who's ignoring the warnings, especially in those regions, the South and Southwest that I mentioned earlier. The very same people that I predicted through my research decades ago would ignore warnings are ignoring them today. Younger people, males more than females, people with a high school degree or less, People who incorrectly think they're familiar with this virus and are convinced it isn't as hazardous as we first believed. Dare I say that's fake news? And who think the cost to comply by wearing masks and keeping social distance is just too high a price to pay for their ego, their masculinity to endure, even at the risk to their own health and that of their loved ones. Our nation, my friends, is at a turning point with regards to the coronavirus. We have to decide whether to follow the warnings or not. As Governor Cuomo of my home state, New York has shown us, it is not a false choice between being safe and being gainfully employed. We can be both, and in many states, my own included, we are following the scientific data and heeding the warnings, while we cautiously but steadily regain our economy. Our loved ones, especially our parents and our grandparents, will thank us for listening, for listening to and following the warnings. And that, my friends, leads me to introduce our terrific guest today, Eric Solomon.
0: Now for another great interview on Exposed with a Warnings Doctor, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber.
1: I'm with Eric Solomon, my guest today on The Warnings Doctor. And for the last 20 years, Eric has been working at the intersection of human psychology, brand building, and technology. What does all that mean? He's the founder of the Human Operating System. That's his brand, the Human OS, a consulting practice that he founded on the principle of building and articulating, these are his words, human operating systems for leaders, teams, and organizations. In technology, we all know that an OS is the foundation that allows for everything that's difficult to happen. We need an operating system in our computers. And without iOS, the human operating system, an app can't run if you don't have an iOS in your iPhone. And similarly, a human OS is what delivers a clarity of purpose to inspire and catalyze, direct, and articulate the power and potential of any leader, any team, any organization. That's a lot of promises here. And uh, what's his background? How does Eric Solomon get to be able to promote the human operating system? And I hear it's pretty good. Prior to founding this practice as a consultant, Eric held executive marketing positions for some of the top technology brands in the world. And folks, you may have heard of them. YouTube, Spotify, Google, Instagram, my gosh. At least you didn't say Facebook because I don't think much of Facebook these days. <laughs> Eric entered the corporate world through the doors of academia, same as me. He got his PhD, so he came honestly to his field. He's a psychologist from his PhD. He worked in research and brand strategy for some top ad agencies in the United States. And he served as chief marketing officer as I mentioned, for a lot of uh, the top companies in the United States. Eric speaks a lot around the circuit. He's an author. He's a board advisory member. There's a lot he's done. Eric's the real deal. And we're going to talk today, first of all, I'm I'm curious, you held such major positions with companies that are virtual household names in in the field of high tech. I mean, YouTube, we don't live without it. Spotify, Google, Instagram, my goodness. Why would you possibly uh, leave that circuit of these major companies that are probably floating the NASDAQ as we speak and to become a, a consultant at a very
0: young age? What is your career? What in your career brought you there? That's a pretty risky move. Well, I mean, first, thanks so much for having me, Jerry, and second, thanks for calling me young. I appreciate that too. So I'll I'll take both. (laughs) Springtime, but yeah, Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's um, it's one of those things where you look at all of that stuff on paper. And it tells, a, it tells one story, but really the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now and the reason that I started the human operating system has a lot to do with the intersection of my personal life and my professional life. So um, I'm happy to kind give of you, give you the high level, um, you know, and I, I apologize because it gets a little bit vulnerable, but, you know, um, let's just go there. Um, I'm happy to do that. So I was at YouTube for for five years or or just about five years. And I moved out to New York to be the head of Spotify in 2015. And, you know, so I was out there at Spotify in 2015. And, I, you know, this was in, in the fall of 2015. And if you fast forward to the the spring of 2015 or 2016 to March, I was back and forth between you know uh, New York and Stockholm, where Spotify is headquartered a lot. And um, I was on one of these flights back uh, in March of 2016. When I landed back in New York, I had four or five uh, voicemails from a number I didn't recognize in the hometown where I grew up, which is always interesting when you see an area code from a town that you grew up in you you have no idea who it is and i listened to them um and it turned out that uh it was quite a shocking but it was from the, the chief of police in the hometown where i grew up who informed me that that morning my father had been found murdered in his backyard um and so you ask uh about why i'm doing what i'm doing and why i left the corporate world to focus on what I'm doing now. And it really represents a big shift for me. And the best way I can think of that shift is as an academic psychologist and as somebody that worked at these data-driven companies, I really saw people in a lot of ways as data points. It becomes very easy to see people as data points, as a psychologist or as a marketer. And where I've really shifted to in these in in what I'm doing now is really understanding compassion as truth and understanding at the end of every transaction as a human being, and that that is what is my driving force now and why I do what I do. You mean to tell me that Spotify and
1: Google and YouTube and companies like that were not as concerned about compassion and human beings, more concerned about data points? Is that what I hear you say?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say when you, when, you look at, when you look at these for-profit companies that are doing a lot of work with uh, taking a look at user data and people's data and then figuring out how to market that data to sell advertising, I think it becomes inevitable that you look at people as data points. It becomes hard not to look at them because that is the fundamentally the product. That you're selling. And so, yeah, I mean, um, the, of course, there are compassionate and empathetic people within those organizations, but on the whole, that doesn't trickle down to the mission and to the objective of what the companies do.
1: So, uh, it is true then what we're reading in the newspapers about Mark Zuckerberg and that he's simply, he and Sheryl Sandberg are simply putting their profits over our election safety or over our personal safety, if they're allowing some violent stuff to get posted, violent by our president, no less.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, um, I think it's safe to say that these days I can say I'm a little bit embarrassed that, um, you know, people forget that Instagram is owned by Facebook. So there was a period of time where my, my paychecks came from Facebook. And I can say it's with a little bit of embarrassment now that, that that's the case. I'm not ashamed to say that. Well, you're not alone. There's a tremendous backlash. I mean, Congress, uh,
1: after this election is over, and I believe firmly that Trump and uh, and Zuckerberg cut a deal when they had dinner at the White House with their respective spouses. They had a dinner, and they uh, after that, all of a sudden, Zuckerberg took the hard line that uh, he was saying, well, I'm disgusted personally with everything Trump says, but we believe in free speech, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there were no guardrails put up. Once uh, the election's over, assuming Trump loses, I think you're going to see a Democratic Congress go whole hog into the tech backlash because we're seeing a backlash today. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm dropping my Facebook account because I'm peddling my new book, you know. So I'm using <laughs> all the social media, including your alumni. I'm using YouTube for my own channel. I'm using... Uh, Uh,
0: Facebook, social media? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, what you're bringing up is, you know, I read a stat today that it's a a stark reminder of the difficulty that a lot of companies are up against. So you're starting to see uh, companies like the North Face and REI say, you know what, we're going to stop spending money in advertising dollars with Instagram and Facebook right now, at least for a little while. But then you realize that 70% of Facebook's revenue comes from small and medium businesses for whom in a lot of cases, Instagram and Facebook is the only way that they have any awareness and they're able to reach people. And so the question is, what do you do if you're a company that looks at Mark Zuckerberg and vehemently disagrees with his stance, but you feel like that's the only way that you can get your product or your message out to the masses?
1: That's my issue. now, I'm relying personally more on LinkedIn, but same concept. Same concept. And, and we're paying for ads on Amazon. I mean, the other day my ad manager said, "Well, you spent a hundred bucks today on advertising on Amazon, but you made five hundred. So right. it was a good day. So right. Amazon wins, and I win, and the game goes on. So uh, this backlash today, do you think it's going to get serious for the tech industry?" I mean, people
0: are dropping accounts, but I don't know that there are that many
1: that are doing it.
0: No, I mean, I, you know, I think that to some extent there, is, there aren't a lot of alternatives if what you want to do is spend your time going down a rabbit hole of time. Um, if you want to waste your time, you got a couple of platforms that you can do it on. Facebook is a great place to go down the rabbit hole and to get outside of your normal life and to feel like there are other people out in the world. And if, so long as there's not an alternative to it, which I'm hoping there will be, I, I don't see a ton of people saying, you know what, I'm going to just delete it and never go on it again but what i'm hoping is that this is going to spur alternatives and you know the biggest question in my mind is you know in, in the time that i've been in the digital space which has been you know really since the, the late 90s now you know you've seen every social media platform eventually becomes a trash fire pretty much all of them do friendster go, went down the hill myspace went down the hill they all become this place that isn't necessarily a place where people want to spend their time and something else comes along and disrupts them. And I'm hoping that this is a time when things get disrupted. Well, you saw, I mean, the latest
1: one, and again, I'm not woke enough to keep up with everyone, but I did notice TikTok, without knowing much about TikTok, and I thought it was a mint, I understand that uh, it's being uh, accused, I guess, is the word of disrupting the Trump rally that was recently held in, uh, in an arena that holds 19,000 people, and that arena uh, was only one-third filled with 6,000 people. Now, uh, apparently, and I don't pretend to understand the details, but if it is correct, apparently people using TikTok use this social medium, young people. I guess this is a medium for very young people. And
0: I think it, so I don't even use it. And I'm—I I mean, even though you called me young, I'm not young enough to use TikTok.
1: So I heard that a rock and roll group—I'm aging myself. I say rock and roll group. Let's say a contemporary music group named K-pop. I was thinking it was a, a chocolate candy bar, but
0: it isn't. And, and just so you know, that's not—that's not a whole—that's uh, not a specific group. It's a whole genre of music, K-pop. Thank you. <laughs> that's why I'm the warnings
1: doctor, and as my guest today, I have. The young at heart, Eric Solomon. And I worked for of Spotify, people. so I better know my music scene. So. He definitely knows his music scene. But from what I understood, and is this correct? Is that technology possible that, you know, Trump's rally was open to anybody who wanted to apply for a ticket and apparently uh, organized through TikTok uh, over 100,000, maybe a half a million requests were phony coming in from teenagers and early 20s people who then had no intention of going to the rally. And then, of course, Trump's people bought the uh, the uh, bait and they went ahead and advertised that we've had a million requests. Apparently, most of them were phony. Is that true? Is that really something that people could do on TikTok?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. They're not, from what I understand, you're not supposed to be able to do that for a political rally. There's supposed to be an age gate for, you know, how old you're uh, supposed to be to be allowed to be able to get those tickets. But from what I understand, yeah, uh, a bunch of people within the K-pop scene banded together and said why don't we inflate it so it looks like the seats are going to be full but really we're just going to scam the system in the same way that you know dare i say the system's been scammed on the other side before so it's it's a little bit of the taste of the own medicine i think though it does point to a slightly more concerning Issue, which is the use of social media in general to interfere with political behavior, whether we deem it good or bad, that is something we are going to continue to see. And especially as we head into this election season, what does it mean that we've got now TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and lots of ways for people to disrupt it in whatever way suits their needs best? Well, this
1: is what's frightening to me. And we know that the evidence is clear that in the 2016 elections, we know this, whether you read the Mueller report, which I've done twice, by the way, or you didn't read it, we know the Russians used Facebook primarily and Twitter secondarily to influence or attempt to influence the outcome. And while the research is impossible to do because you'd have to be sitting in somebody's home when they read a phony message from a Russian bot and then see how they influenced what their behavior was on social media. And ultimately, when they follow, you would have to follow them into the voting booth and see if that actually, so the cause effect research would be very hard to do. Yeah. Nevertheless, with hundreds of millions of, of, of messages going out and being shared and spread around, uh, the likelihood that they ultimately at a very close elections, 10 20,000 votes in three states separated the two people. So it's possible that more likely than not something happened. And what scares me is that now the Russians and the Chinese and probably the North Koreans are very interested in doing even more on steroids with social
0: media. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think, you know, it, it's we, we're sitting here talking about TikTok, and I don't know if a lot of people understand that TikTok is fundamentally a Chinese company. They're owned by ByteDance. There are questions about what that means in terms of regulation, and I'm sure you've got some thoughts on it, but, you know, I think people need to be aware that, you know, ultimately all of the data that TikTok is collecting ends up in, in Chinese hands.
1: And this is very frightening because not only are the chinese going and we've already seen what the chinese have done with the dna of their own people and they're running a national dna base to be able to track everybody right in the country so privacy is kind of out the door on most of this And in the hands of a foreign adversary, the thoughts are frightening because, as you know, we get higher up the food chain and people are subject to bribery. Uh, Can you say Michael Flynn by name? name, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, let's talk a little bit about that because here we've got, uh, 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 I'd like to think that the 6,000 people in the Bank of America uh, arena in Tulsa that showed up, were probably crazy people devoted to Trump when they were to living and grieving. But 18, another 12, 15,000 people, I think, I'd like to think they didn't show up, less so because of TikTok than more so because they were concerned about COVID, their health and the health of their loved ones. Uh, where they would have to bring the disease back to if they were attending.
0: Yeah, I mean, there have to be a a number of factors. I'm sure that there was some amount of, um, whether it was successful or not, there was definitely some attempt at interference with that. But on the other hand, you know, you're seeing, you know, drastic dips in popularity in the polls for Trump. And I'm sure a lot of his contingency is seeing that and saying, hmm, maybe we should take a look at this. And then, as you said, there's always gonna be some diehard people that are gonna show up no matter what. But a lot of people are concerned, rightfully so, for their health as we see the numbers tick up and tick up across this country. You know, we've seen a
1: lot of corporate branding going on. You and I have talked about this in the past. A lot of corporate branding has been going on as a result of both COVID and as a result of the protest on the Black Lives Matter campaign that's been uh, very successfully taken to the streets and will probably influence Congress as to coming up with some plans. And more than that, I think our whole uh, system is being flipped upside down. Now, from where you stand, now, this intersects with Eric Solomon, my guest today on the Warnings Doctor, that you are really on to something when you 're talking about the human operating system you 're talking about the the human the, the person the actual and and what could be more humane to look at than the concept of empathy, understanding what people are about. And do corporations? And this is for you, really, Eric. It's right up what you're doing, I think. Aren't corporations now going to have to do more than just tick a box off, check it off? Okay, I did the Black Lives Matter thing. I I embossed it on our logo. I put it on the heel of my new Nike sneaker instead of Jordan, or on the other side hmm. where Jordan's logo. I had Black Lives Matter. Uh, maybe we'll put it on uh, our corporate uh, napkins or something. But that's not what's really gonna happen. I think if you're really serious, don't we have to look at people's values and, and how does this tie into what you're doing? Can you please put the two together?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as you say, this is exactly so much of the thinking that I've been doing um, as we're going through really all of the tragedy that we're going through right now. I think um, I'll read you one thing uh, that 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 really puts this into perspective and answer. I think in the past, I think it was, permissible and passable for companies to say that they're going to do something. And then it was hard because we didn't necessarily have all of the information at our fingertips to do deeper investigation of what they're really doing or not doing behind the scenes. But it's very interesting. There was one very poignant post on Twitter where one particular user. I I can't remember his name or her name, but they poked fun at the uniformity of all the current brand messages that we're seeing. And I'll just read this to you because I think it points out exactly where people's heads are. The post said, we at Brand are committed to fighting injustice by posting images to Twitter that express our commitment to fighting injustice. To that end, we offer this solemn, white-on-black JPEG that expresses vague solidarity with the black community, and we'll, but will quietly align the specifics of what is wrong, what needs to change, or in what ways we will do anything about it. We hope this action encourages you to view brand positively without, you know, expecting anything of us. <laughs> three seconds, three seconds after sawing that tweet, I saw one from CBS telling me that they stand in solidarity with their black colleagues, and another from Pixar letting me know that they stand for inclusion. Listen, fantastic, but I think what we're seeing now is that consumers, employees, especially now, are feeling very squeezed very stressed and very impatient for change, and we need a lot more than a social media onslaught of these unverified platitudes to get us out of the mess we're in.
1: Well, this gets to the values that the company actually has. If they're part of your human operating system, I know you wanna look at the core values of where a company is coming from. If their values in history go back, to where they actually have been walking the walk on social activism issues is on today the word is investor activism and uh if the companies have at their roots been doing things that that correspond to what they believe in then i think i'd have more faith in some of their messaging through their marketing departments but i have to go back to their values don't you i
0: think that's right i, I think so often time values they sit on a poster on a wall, in an office, and most pl- employees, if they know that any exist at all, they, they, they've come to accept that it doesn't necessarily translate to action in the world. And I say that's the biggest part of what the human operating system does and why I care so much, is it pulls the narrative thread in from everything a company does or say they do internally, from how they treat employees, to how they fire and hire employees, to how they think about performance evaluation systems, to then how they think about how that might lead to things like positioning and brand expression and brand communications. But the fundamental belief, and one that I think will continue, you know, especially given what we're going through now, is that you cannot build a brand externally until you build one internally. We've known this for a long time, but more critically, people are going to call a brand out for saying something if they don't treat their employees well and they don't treat their customers well.
1: Wow. To hear you say that is really inspiring, Eric Salman, because the the whole concept of an organization, in this case, a private sector corporation as an organization or could be public sector organization, is the people. You, you don't – it's it's the wrong approach, and when we had the systems approach to organizing companies, we all got lost in throughputs, inputs, and outputs, and we forgot that the major input to an organization are its resources, its human resources, and we have to bring the
0: human back, and that's what you're doing, I believe. That's, that's exactly right, and, you know, I, when I've said before, you know, we talk about companies having empathy, and somebody I was talking to recently put it well, companies and organizations don't have empathy they're, sent, you know, they're, they're just static beings, it's the people within the organizations, especially the leaders of these organizations, and if that behavior of empathy and compassion isn't modeled, especially at the leadership level of these organizations, then how the hell do we expect it to ever trickle through to customers or to the end user?
1: That's probably the most important thing in the American culture. Uh, in Japan, it's the opposite, as we know. The ringi system uh, goes bottom up, but that's for a thousand years they've been doing that in Japan. And ahead of the uh, American Ottawa, the uh, United Auto Workers told me once, and uh, I was doing some work for GM. He said, "Look, at this, the Japanese system will never work over here." And it turns out it was not just GMs that had to go top down. The union was structured yeah. to go top down. And the two of them together, the head of the UAW and the head of GM had to work it out, but it was still a top-down system. So the values of the United Auto Workers and the values of GM had to, from the top down. The corporate leadership had to be in sync. And if you fight today, look at what you just said, that you have to go top-down. I'm agreeing with you. I don't think that you're going to make the kind of change that needs to happen. And, and I love your phrase, the human operating system, because it talks about the whole thing. We're talking about the whole enchilada here. We're not just saying you're marketing p r and branding uh, you know do a few uh, messaging strategies and and everyone will buy our products and think,
0: "Oh, these are good guys no, I mean that's at the end of the day the big you know one of the biggest issues I see, and this happens in marketing, but it also happens across uh, lots of different things, right where you've got a bunch of tactics that people do. And those tactics and marketing can be things like, you know, running a PR story or creating an experience of some kind or making an ad, but you can't just do those activities without revisiting the foundation for why you exist, what your actual vision, mission and positioning is what your values are. Otherwise you're just doing a bunch of stuff that's completely disconnected from reality and disconnected from why you're in business to begin with. You're just doing things. Can you pick out a couple, I'll put you on the spot. How about today's environment?
1: Right now, with the crisis of COVID, which is gonna be around for a year or two, and uh, the crisis of the uh, protests, which are really ripping the Band-Aid off. They're tied together, because obviously COVID ripped that Band-Aid off, and then the criminal justice thing, that's it. What else is new? Black young men are killed by cops. Welcome to America for the last 200 years. So what I'm saying
0: is, Let's have some hope here. You know, the, the, beauty, out there. Yeah, the, the beauty is that I am seeing hope. And, you know, it's not like it's not like we can expect companies to immediately flip the switch and say we're going to do everything right tomorrow. It's a matter of making changes that are meaningful now and what's going on. So, you know, I, I think the, the ones that I've seen that I've been really impressed with, I can think of three that I've been impressed with. I'm really impressed with Ben and & Jerry's and what Ben & Jerry's is doing right now. Um, they had a, a pretty prominent you know, post on Twitter about how what they're doing is setting up information for both employees and for customers to learn more about policing in America and what is wrong with policing in America. And they're putting a stand in saying like, Hey, you know, like this really matters. This, this is uh, something that's super important. Other people that I've seen more recently, both REI and the North face made a decision to say, you know what, we do not agree with Martin Zuckerberg's decisions. So we're not going to be giving our money and our advertising money to Facebook. Um, they may not do it in perpetuity, but they're going to at least do it now. So the big question is, um, you know, the, the question is, can they be a role model for more companies to say, you know what, let's not just rely on these platforms because they're big and they have reach. Let's have values and stand by those values. So I think those three are ones that I'm noticing do good things right now. You've seen a bunch of people respond to their, their comments with some people saying, I'll never buy your ice cream again. But twice as many comments saying, I'm going to stock up even more on your Cherry Garcia.
1: So oh, you hit my spot right there. But mine is the frozen yogurt. Cherry's Garcia. I'm a tiny oh, monkey
0: fan myself. With the, the monkey
1: one, <laughs> <laughs> I've had that too. But uh, what are you working on now, besides gorging on Ben and Jerry's ice cream? What are you doing right now? Yeah, you know, it, it's um,
0: I'll say, you know, it's a hell of a time to be an independent consultant. Uh, it's a, you know, like for a lot of people that run their own practices or small business, uh, there's a lot of. Um, a lot of things that are up on the air up in the air that things aren't as kind and dry as they used to so i'm spending my time right now um, really thinking about how to put a stake in the ground in places where I can make a difference. So I've reached out to a few people that I've got connections with on Team Biden. Again, it's very hard as an outsider to get into a political ring, but I'm hoping if I knock on enough doors, I'll get into the right place to be helpful with building Biden and whoever is running mate's operating system or at least helping them with doing it. Um, So we'll have to do it. Um, And then uh, at the same time, uh, I'd say I'm, I'm doing writing. I'm, I'm, I published a piece in Entrepreneur earlier this year called People Are Not Data, where I talk about a lot of what we're talking now. Now I'm writing one about the whole idea of corporate empathy and whether or not one it can exist and if it doesn't exist what are corporations doing right now kind of coining a new word where it used to be called greenwashing where people were talking about people standing for corporate thing or for, for social good and doing good things for the the ecology systems of the world but actually doing bad practices now I think that people are spending more time and money marketing that they're kind and caring and compassionate than they are actually doing compassionate behavior so I think what I'm working on right now Is kind washing.
1: Kind washing. What a great word from Eric Solomon, my guest today on the Warnings Doctor. We sure could use more kind washing. I think, by the way, reaching out to the Biden campaign, although the Warnings Doctor tries to uh, limit my political uh, uh, biases. Uh, make no mistake about it. If one were looking uh, to treat corporation Trump versus corporation Biden, I guess corporation Biden would win on kind washing. would you say? <laughs> um,
0: you know, there's a there's a lot of kind washing going on in all kinds of corners. The question is, how can we put real meaning behind it and show that the actions are there to back up the, the, the words? Um, that's what we really need more than ever is enough talking. I love talking.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of talking going on. But I can you tell me uh, which companies? We've talked about a few examples of some, you know, what I'll call them the good people out there. Uh, if you had to pick a company that seemed a little more transparent in their behavior, what they're doing in terms of messaging strategies using the language of advertising and marketing, as opposed to communicating from the heart from their values, who would you pick on right now? Let's pick on one or two.
0: I mean, it's tough. There, there's some obvious scapegoats out there. I mean, all you have to do is look at your email box from right when uh, you know the World Health Organization announced that there was a pandemic and you saw every brand in the world talking about how we're there for you and we're in this together. And so it was every brand in the world. I, I heard from brands I hadn't interacted with or bought from in eight to 10 years telling me that they're there for me. So it's very hard to single out a particular one. I've but, been watching and enjoy- the uh,
1: commercials for Northwell Hospital. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to knock a hospital at a time of pandemic. These are wonderful people. Our heroes are there and all that. So I've said that. All right. Now I've been politically correct. However, <laughs> some of their ads are, are like, wow, it's like they're inside my apartment telling me how they care so much about me and that we've all walked down this road
0: together. We're here together. I mean, Who are you? I don't even know you. Even the greats. I mean, some of the the best advertiser in the world is probably Nike. They do incredible creative communications. And even them, you look at the stuff and you're like, is that a really pretty ad? Is that a really pretty ad with the right words? Are you actually doing anything? (laughs) Um, You know, and I, again, I don't know the answer, so I don't want to pick on them, but I look at it and all advertising right now seems to be a lot of empty promises.
1: Oh, yeah, people are jumping on the bandwagon, whether it's COVID or Black Lives Matter. And we have to ask who is walking the walk. And my bigger question isn't who's walking the walk, it's who's walked the walk before. What were your values before? So, what were your values before all of COVID? Were you sincere in being a Human having a human operating system that was focusing on the humanity of your employees, your customers, the environment within which you work. I mean, that's really what it's about, isn't it, Eric?
0: Uh, I mean, I think that it is really what it's about and it's really interesting there are there are companies that I can think of that have, done a good job in the past of saying, here's what we believe and here's how it's going to live out in the world. And maybe they've been a little less vocal about talking about the good that they're doing and maybe they'll start doing it. But I don't want to discredit some companies that are now realizing that even if they haven't always been the best, that maybe this is a time that they need to try a little bit harder. So again, you know, very recently, this is just from this week. So H&R Block's president and CEO. So we're talking about H&R Block here is this guy named Jeff Jones. I believe he was the CEO or CMO of Target uh, before. He responded to the Black Lives Matter Matter movement um, pretty well. He said, here at H&R Block, we're committed to actions that are sustainable. While we're living during an important time in history, this is much more than a moment. This is a movement. It is time we all step up and take action. So here's one thing we're doing. We're expanding our hiring practices to be more inclusive and result in a more diverse candidate pool for all positions. Again, and he goes on throughout this thing to talk about specific actions that they're going to take, and he calls them specific actions. This is the kind of behavior I'd like to see more of.
1: Well, as uh, the tech industry has a horrible record in promoting to hire executive positions uh, and you know in, in marketing, like you had positions and CEOs, it's between three and five percent uh, are in the top tiers of the leadership across the board. I saw the study yesterday. In fact, in terms of total number of employees who are African-American or Latino, only Amazon had over 23%, and the other tech companies were all under 10%, just employees. Now, I'm not talking about people at the top of the food chain. The top of the food chain turns out, in fact, this is not just in the tech industry. Across corporate America, the Fortune 500. The Fortune 500, there were three, three out of 500 CEOs who were African-American. Three. I mean, that's stunning. Uh, so when I say walk the walk and talk the talk, I'm looking at the CEOs, the boards of directors, the senior vice presidents, the chief marketing officers. I'm looking at the whole uh, the whole nine yards here. So we have a long way to go. And I hope Eric Solomon, that you are definitely going to be part of the solution as we move forward. Now, let me ask the question. Uh, you've got a consulting company. The human operating system is your product. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, clients who listen to this and the warnings doctor has an audience and how would people get in touch with Eric Solomon if they wanted to chat with you some more or if they wanted to hire your services or seek your
0: counsel. Do you have a website that we can point people to? Or uh, I do. I mean, you're asking my, my favorite question of the day, of course. you know. No, I'm just joking. But, no, seriously, uh, the best way I do have a website is just uh, thehumanos.co. So just thehumanos.co. And um, the, really the best way to get me, I keep it pretty low key, I still use my email address and my LinkedIn, but, which um, all is pretty easy to get through through that site. But you can learn more about what I've done here, uh, see more of what I've written, hear some talks I've given, and also get in touch about how I can work with you to build a human OS.
1: So that's Eric Solomon, E-R-I-C, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Eric Solomon on LinkedIn will give you all you need to know about Eric. Uh, You Eric. Know, I noticed you said your, your website was point .CO, not C-O-M, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, as I, 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 I love that you picked up on that. But, no, I'm, I couldn't get .com. If somebody else had registered the humanOS.com. So it's .co, um, and it's, uh, I'm proud of the .co
1: co okay eric solomon our guest today on the warnings doctor the founder of the human operating system and he is bringing humanity back to our corporations where it belongs and he's going to hold companies to the water to be sure that their words match their actual values and this is a good thing my friends this is a good thing thank you so much eric
0: solomon Thank you. thank you so much for Thanks. having me, Jerry. It's um, a pleasure as always, and uh, hope you stay well and healthy during these times. You too. You well.
1: And once again, I want to thank my very special guest, Eric Solomon. And if you want to get in contact, let me remind you again, with Eric Solomon, you can reach him directly at thehumanos.co. That's thehumanos.co. That website will give you all the information you need, or you can look up Eric Solomon on LinkedIn, and you'll learn more about Eric Solomon, our fantastic guest today. Now, before we close this episode of The Warnings Doctor, as I do every week, I'd like to read from you some parts of my new book, Murder, Inc. And in this particular section, I wanted to share with you in the last chapter, I write about 12 steps to make you an active information seeker. Because as you know, I've said before, corporations are more interested in their profits than our safety. And a conflicted revolving door prevents government agencies from looking out for our best interests. So until we get a more regulatory environment in place that makes corporations realize they've got to tell us the truth it's really up to us and so i provide in my book to you 12 steps jerry's 12 step program to make you a more informed a more informed user of products that will help you prevent injuries and save uh, deaths from your family and your loved ones I'm going to read with you six of those steps today. And in my next episode, I'll read you the next six steps. So here goes. Number one, read all product labels very carefully, both on the front and back. Even if you don't think you understand the language, read it and reread it and even ask friends of yours to help you understand it. But make sure you read all the language, even if you're the person holding up the line at the supermarket. Read the label. Number two, if you don't understand the language, call the company's consumer hotline and ask questions. Seek the advice if you can't reach the company of a trusted professional, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, your best friend. But if you don't understand the language, don't give up. You need to understand what the risks of using products are. Number three, use the internet to research product safety information. This is the digital age. Information is available from all the libraries of the world at your fingertips. Use this to become a more informed consumer. Number four, use social media, both to research and share with others important product safety information. If you've discovered something that you think others should know about, Please, this is a good use of social media. Share it amongst your friends and family uh, and let people know what you've learned about the safety of products. Number five, blog about product safety information. Everybody's a publisher today with the internet, so create a safety blog and tell others about what you've learned. Have a regular blog or newsletter online and share that information. Number six, if you're not satisfied with what you've read about product safety, then write to government agencies that are responsible for regulating a product and ask them questions and tell them what re- product-related injuries, by law, or ag- by law, the agency has to open a file the minute they receive a complaint from somebody like yourself. And by the, by the way, I practice what I preach. I wasn't happy when the FDA came out with some of its new nutritional requirements, so I wrote them a letter, and I kept persisting until they invited me to consult and be a part of a panel. I am just a consumer the way you are, and I wrote to the government agency. Please, they will respond. So those are the first six rules that I have for making you a more informed consumer. In our next podcast, I promise you I'll finish that and give you the next six for my 12-step program. Until then, if you like this podcast, we drop episodes every, every week. If you can't wait for that, you want to see my YouTube channel, jerryonyoutube.com, and certainly you can read my new book, Murder, Inc. You can find that book available wherever you look for your books. Until the next time, my friends, let me remind you again, the more informed you are, the safer you'll be.
0: Thank you for listening to Exposed, an exclusive look behind the curtain of corporate greed with the Warnings Doctor, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber. Our podcast is where you can always find a new prescription to keep you safe in an ever-evolving and sometimes dangerous world. Remember, the more informed you are, the safer you will be.